Okay, Psalm 101. Superscription of the psalm says, A Psalm of David. I'll read the eight verses aloud. But actually, let me pray before. Heavenly Father, uh, we have gathered once again uh, in your presence as your people uh, to seek your face because we want to hear from you, uh, because because we want to be people who become more and more uh, the citizens of your kingdom, who become more and more like our king. We want to be able to represent you well. We want to know your voice. So we pray, God, that you would speak to us, that you would hear us as we pray to you, uh, so that we might, so that we might be able to serve uh, and glorify you in the power uh, that you provide. Make us people who seek good, righteousness, justice. Do that even now, Lord, as we go through Psalm 101 together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. So Psalm 101, a psalm of David. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Or when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. I don't know if you guys ever thought about the merits of different systems of government. That's kind of a hot topic, right? Um, but uh, in his essay uh, entitled Equality, uh, C.S. Lewis kind of talks about democracy and kind of weighs the merits of it. Uh, he's a supporter of democracy, but for kind of a reason that might be different from most people, uh, why they support democracy. And he writes this, he says, I am a Democrat because I believe in the fall of man. I think most people are Democrats for the opposite reason. A great deal of democratic enthusiasm descends from the ideas of people like Rousseau who believed in democracy because they thought mankind so wise and good that everyone deserved a share in the government. Uh, The danger of defending democracy on those grounds is that they're not true. And whenever their weakness is exposed, the people who prefer tyranny make capital out of the exposure. The real reason for democracy is just the reverse. Mankind is so fallen that no man can be trusted with unchecked power over his fellows. Aristotle said that some people were only fit to be slaves. I do not contradict him, but I reject slavery because I see no men fit to be masters. So since human beings are selfish, uh, 
uh, and democracy is founded on the belief that every man or woman will you know, seek uh, selfishly their own welfare. Uh, the giving them the power to elect their own rulers and leaders uh, kind of provides a natural check on the on the leader's power. Uh, so I think this is kind of this is an, I think that's an accurate assessment, uh, and it really highlights the genius of democracy as a system of government because it takes into account the sinfulness of men, right? the fact that power corrupts people, and it gives it uh, provides checks and balances to protect us from tyranny, right? Um, so that's why democracy works. But what if, in an ideal world, we could we could have a just, a totally trustworthy, incorruptible ruler, all wise, all knowing, right? I mean, that's the ideal scenario, right? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to not have to worry about being involved in politics, and having to know what's going on all the time, so that you can have an, be an informed voter? You know, it's like to make sure that you know, it's it's like it's. It, to be able to trust somebody completely and to have a benevolent ruler, um, and uh, and Psalm 101 is really a picture of that kind of reality, where, where it, it's a picture of an ideal king uh, who rules in God's stead, um, and uh, it it teaches us that God will come to the aid of His people, whose king rules with steadfast love and justice. So uh, in verse 1, it talks about the character of God. Verses 2 to 5, it talks about the character of the king. And in verses 6 to 8, it talks about the character of the king's servants. So let's look at that. Uh, look at verse 1. Uh, it begins, I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. So I will sing parallels. I will make music. So the steadfast love and justice, they're not. Uh, it's not talking about the king here. But the psalmist is singing of the attributes that belong to God. He's singing of God's steadfast love and justice. Uh, and steadfast love refers to God's loyalty uh, to and his commitment to his people, uh, his, his unchanging love for them. Uh, and justice refers to God's just rule and judgment over his people. And so this verse really kind of serves as a foundation kind of for the rest of the psalm. Uh, because the character of God is the basis for the character of the king uh, and, and following. Uh, so because God relates to his people in steadfast love and justice, it's necessary for his king, who rules in his stead as his representative, to, to live blamelessly and to rule with justice and integrity. Uh, so the superscription of the psalm said that it was a psalm of David. Uh, that could mean that this is a psalm that was written actually by David, or it could mean that it's a psalm of David, like about David, concerning David. And, uh, and either way, these verses are words of a righteous king. Uh, so the, this is, and it says in verse 2, uh, Psalm 101, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? So this is kind of the main uh, kind of prayer that carries the psalm. Because it's, the king is crying out for God's help, so we don't know what the occasion is, but he needs God's help and deliverance. He's crying out to him. He's saying, "Come to me," but uh, but but the basis for this is that he is a, he's a faithful king. He represents God. He's blameless uh, in, in the way he has been serving him. So he continues in verse two: "I will walk with integrity of heart within my house." So not only did he does he ponder the, the, what is blameless, he thinks about what's blameless, but he also walks with integrity. His actions and his his thoughts. Right, are, are, are they pertain to God and His will? So it's a picture of complete faithfulness and devotion to God. 
and uh, and loving good also means hating evil, right? Necessarily so. Uh, so it says in verses three to four, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Notice how just categorical these resolutions are, right? I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I will know nothing of evil. So it's a picture of complete devotion once again. And, uh, and if, so it's a good, helpful teaching because if we truly love God and seek the good of our neighbors, it's not enough uh, to just try to do good. We also must fight against evil. We must hate wickedness. Uh, and we can't, be, we can't condone evil and be neutral toward that. Right? We, we need to, we, that's because to love good means to hate evil. Uh, they, and, we, uh, and so that's what we see here. The king's walking with the integrity of heart. But he keeps those who, with a perverse heart, far from him, and uh, and and this doesn't mean that we shouldn't love and seek sinners to draw them near to God, but it, all, it does mean that we should never participate in sin uh, or let our hearts be perverted by their influence. Uh, so the psalmist says he will not even set before his eyes anything that is worthless. Right. So that's a great question. Is it not only what we think about, not only what we do, but also what we set before our eyes? Right? Um, is there is everything that you set before your eyes, whether you're walking down the street downtown or whether you're sitting in front of your TV or a laptop screen, is everything that you set in front of your eyes good and worthwhile, or is it worthless? Right? Worthless can be translated wicked as well, which is an interesting insight as well. Right? That. What is wicked, even though it might seem useful, it's actually useless. Right? It's worthless to do evil. Um, because whatever we set before our eyes, whether we know it or not, it affects us. Right? What, what we, whether we, when, if we consort with people who have perverse hearts, uh, it affects our hearts. Right? If we listen to people who slander their neighbor, uh, it affects our ability to love our neighbor. Right? That's what this is talking about. So that's the character of the king. Uh, and in verses 6 to 8, we see the character of the king's um, servants. And uh, because the king's character is, is good, he's upright, he's, he's just, uh, the same words that are used to describe the king uh, will be used in verses 6 to 8 because he, he appoints people to serve in his courts uh, that, that also exemplify that kind of blamelessness. So read verses 6 to 8 with me. It says, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And uh, that's this psalm, the entire psalm, uh, is really fulfilled uh, ultimately by Jesus in the sense that he is uh, the ultimate Davidic king, uh, right? This is David uh, possibly writing this, or at least it's about a Davidic king who's supposed to rule in this kind of way. Uh, but everybody in among Israel's kings and Judah's kings failed to do this, right? Uh, because if you look at Second Samuel 24, even David, who is supposed to be this ideal king, uh, fails. He takes a census, right, of of Israel, 
which he is not supposed to do because in doing that, he, he it shows that he is not depending on God's power, but he's depending on his military prowess or the size of his uh, his kingdom. Uh, so that led to God's judgment, leading to seventy thousand people being killed in Israel, right? Uh, and and that's the uh, it's because of a pestilence that God sent. And so even he didn't represent his people well. He did not. He was not blameless. He did not walk with integrity in in, in a complete way. Um, so, but because he was only a shadow of the reality that he was pointing to, and that was Jesus, because he came. As Hebrews 4.15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Right. So Jesus is the ultimately blameless king, and because he's the blameless king that represents us, as the psalm talks about, when he, when he intercedes for us, when he cries out, it calls for our deliverance, God delivers, he comes to save uh, and that's why that's why we can rely on on the promise that is implicit in the psalm uh, that those who um, those who have that God will come to the aid of the people whose king rules with steadfast love and justice because we do have a king who rules with steadfast love and justice and that's Jesus. Um, but there's also an application for us in in terms of how we how we ought to live as well uh, because as those who serve the king who is characterized by steadfast love and justice. We too, as his people, should exemplify that and show that. Uh, uh, but we we fail, but because Christ died for our sins uh, and, and gives us a spirit, we can now obey him uh, and love him and serve him in that way. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the song. Uh, let's sing a song and pray. <coughs>